Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Iguana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Tim Jensen with Pepperdine Volleyball. The stories in real time. I can't argue that we're the best team in the world. I'm not retiring, people. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. I dominated. And DJ Ruscha. The baddest DJ in the land. It's The Net Live right now. I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Continuing our theme of movie clips here on the Net Live, we give you Roadhouse. Thanks for the suggestion, whoever that was on Facebook. I can't remember right offhand for poor. Like, so bad, they're awesome 80s films. There's a little roadhouse for you. Welcome to Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett along with DJ Jeremy Ruscha, who uh, went above and beyond the call there with the Vincent Price slash uh, Psycho? No, it's not Psycho. What Halloween. Halloween, buddy. that's right. Jeez. Mike Myers. That was the one that freaked me out the most as a kid, was Halloween. That one has... Friday uh, 13th. Kim Basinger in it? Isn't she no, the original it, Halloween? it was... Um, she does the... Halloween 2? She does the keep yourself regular uh, yogurt commercials now. Um, I can't <laughs> remember her name. <laughs> I was just thinking I should talk probiotics uh, with uh, what's-her-face on ESPN. No, no. I keep wanting to say Jane Fonda, but no, it's... Um, Suzanne Summers. No. <laughs> oh, I can see her face. All right, while Jeremy's working on that, let's, uh, let's let you work on this, our show today. We're going to have Beth Lanier of the Utah Utes because... God's honest truth, the biggest story in volleyball right now is women's collegiate. We're coming to the middle, middle of the season, basically. Teams starting to think about playoff time, and Beth Lanier and Utah making steps in that direction. We will chat with her about an amazing weekend for her team and her team's rise inside the Pac-12. FIVB China happened. We'll have a little chat about that. We also have Jamie Gordon back again. The AVCA watch list will be announced. We have AVCA College of Volleyball Weekly. That and I don't know how many movie quotes. And Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, that's yes, right. Jamie BJ. Lee Curtis. Thank you so much. Jeez. Yes. Welcome back, producer BJ. Oh, man. Jamie Lee Curtis. Very good. I want to thank Volleyball Magazine, ABCA, for their support of this show. How about Volleyball Magazine? This month, there he is, our guy. Boom. In his hair. Boom in the hair. Patterson. It's a good article, too. It's online. If you don't have the uh, subscription, but you should. Speaking of good articles, yep, read one about Bison Dealey. Who? Remember Brian Williams, member of the Chicago Bulls during their championship yep. years, renamed himself Bison Dealey, left oh, the NBA, moved to Tahiti, hung out on a boat, cool, and then disappeared. Like, like the boat disappeared, or the like the boat returned without the captain, Bison Dealey, or his girlfriend, but somehow the guy's brother, Bison Dealey's brother, made it back. Kevin Williams. Didn't the boat turn over, or like he was came back solo? Came back solo. I don't remember this. Yeah, this is. Uh, I remembered this story from a long time ago. Sports Illustrated did a great article about it. I believe it's in the current issue, not the NBA preview issue. 
It's in the Kobe issue, so maybe it's two weeks ago. It's in okay. the, the Kobe issue, and really an excellent article. I want to read the long-form version of it, which is online. They have more yeah. at SI.com, but something something to remember. Brian Williams uh, lost to us years and years ago at this point, but uh, really tragic circumstances. No one ever arrested. Brothers suspected, but no... No evidence. Like, how do you... No evidence ever gathered that, that could confirm that his brother so did So four it. people left, one person returned. Correct. Okay. His brother, I believe, now deceased. Can't remember from the article, but... Do you remember why he claimed, like, obviously there was weather circumstances and everybody went overboard? No, what they think happened... What did he say The, the brother came back and claimed that Brian Williams had gone crazy in an argument with his girlfriend, pushed her, she hit something with her head, died, and that the guy, that Brian Williams then hit the captain with a wrench, killed him, and then fearing for his own life, Kevin Williams killed his brother. But that's not all what they think happened. They think that Kevin Williams was trying to assume Brian's identity and killed him. So, unfortunate story, but an interesting read. Something from a long time ago. love how you went from Casey Patterson's boom haircut in a volleyball magazine to that article. You said long form. It reminded me I want to read it. I want to go back online yeah, and read true. it. Okay. When I'm on the plane, I can't read it. But this uh, this volleyball magazine has a bunch of good stuff in it. Faded. That's the, site of, or the title of the article here. It also has Stepping Up about Haley Eckerman down there at Texas coming off the national championship and currently number one. Will they remain at number one? Tune into College Volleyball Weekly to find out. And a picture of her own read pretty on the back looking, looking like an MMA fighter. They're working out. They're working out apparently. Well, he's got nothing else to do. He doesn't come to this show, and he has no professional job. He doesn't, so. have, a car, doesn't have a car, Kevin. How's he supposed to get here? That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Read pretty with no car. So those that follow me on Twitter, at oh. KevBarn14, or on Facebook. Hold on. Let's see how many followers you have on Twitter real quick. Not many. I'm going to look. But a few people commented on this one, or at least liked it. it. It's about London and the NFL, because this week, again, there was a game in London. And i got to say, I'm impressed with the crowds in London. They're excited. They're into it. It's packed. There's jerseys everywhere. It looks great. And there's a lot of chatter, and has been for a number of years, but it seems to be gaining steam about the idea of putting a franchise in London. Mm -hmm. And every time this gets brought up, all the talking heads on ESPN, Mm -hmm. about 75% of them go, oh, you could never do it. We need to travel, and people are going to be tired, and this, blah, blah, blah. Idiots. <laughs> Idiots. Mm-hmm. So, Twitter. I don't do that often, but no. I, I did in this case. You have 341 or 71 followers. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a competition for me, Jeremy. I wasn't throwing it out there, Kevin. I was just saying, if you know you want to get sponsors and stuff, you got to up your numbers. Yeah, by a factor of 20 if I want sponsors. <laughs> and if I put in things like the walk is quite obvious on the Sunday after Halloween that, parties. That was funny. And my question when I saw that tweet was, were they doing the walk with their costumes at 8 o'clock in the morning oh, on Saturday? Oh, costume on. That's awesome. That's what, what I thought. What else do you have? Yeah. Yeah. You're going home in a pirate outfit at uh, 10 o'clock. Things worked out for you. You had a good time. You did. So I said, NFL athletes, coaches, and GMs stop complaining about travel to London. Olympic athletes regularly cross eight-plus time zones and set world records. True that. Greg Romano chimed in on Facebook, and rightfully so, former national team athlete. He said, and they do that after flying coach coach in a middle seat. Exactly. 
These yahoos in the NFL, these little babies, these six foot five, two hundred and forty pound run of four five forty babies, mm-hmm. are flying over on a charter jet with food and recliners. Correct. And more service than you could ever imagine. Correct. And they're still bitching. Correct. Shut up. Shut up, all y'all. Can I say one thing that'll defend the NFL players? Please. They get hit a lot harder than you do playing volleyball. Matters not. It does matter. Matters not. I do think it does. You I, think because of their sport... No, I think they should stop complaining and play in London. But I'm just saying that that makes a difference. You were getting... Those guys can't get out of bed Monday morning. I understood. Yeah. Understood. But that's my only other... That's And it's not a reason to not go over there. All I'm saying is that they get the they get hit a little bit harder and their bodies hurt and that is going to weigh on you especially with traveling but the other thing with them too it's all about routine so something that for any up, athlete correct but if your routine is not a normal routine then that's still your routine you know what i'm saying like you're used to doing that if they in 10 years if there's a team in london and teams are flying over there constantly like They'll be used to it, and it'll be normal. Right. Right now, it's not normal. That's why they're freaking out. It's all relative. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, and that's true, and I said that about volleyball for years because people were saying, oh, I'd take, I'd take half the money to play in, in the United States you know, versus going to play in Italy. So you're going to make 150 in Italy, take 75 to play in the States. Just because of the travel? Well, yeah, because you're away from your family, and just it's a pain in the ass to go and live in a foreign country like that. It's well, a no great doubt. experience. Oh, of course. It is a pain. When you're single, not a big deal. I was going to say, especially if a family. Oh, once you have the family, yeah. oh, my God, the complications. And that's why you see guys leaving the family behind. Tom Hoff. Um, I don't know if Ryan Millar did. I think he did for a time. Ryan Millar, definitely Lloyd Ball. Well, it's expensive. You guys did it. And it's expensive. Like, if you want your family to come with you overseas. Now, it gets picked up. The, the team will pick it up for you. You'll have a bigger apartment. You'll have, you can get schooling okay. range. It's just a huge hassle and really difficult to take your family out of your normal routine. Well, and you have to hook up your sling box and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But what I said was if, if we had a league here in the United States, and let's say there was a team in Buffalo, five years on, you would have players complain, I got to go to Buffalo? Yeah, of course. Buffalo? Why don't you go play in <laughs> Romania? Go play in Romania. But, but it's all contextual. It's all whatever your relative experience happens to be. And same thing for the NFL right now. And haven't they so far, like the teams that have gone to London, like don't they have a bye week the next week or something like that? Something like that. Or the week before <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, you could, arrange, you could arrange it to make it more palatable. But the bottom line is, if you're a track athlete, you're a swimmer, you're a volleyball player, you're a wrestler, you're anybody in any other sport except the major American sports, you make that travel, and you still perform at the highest level. For sure. Well, and wrestling athletes, you could put them up there with the football athletes as far as wear and tear. I'll give you that. Boxers, Olympic boxers do the same thing. Well, the AVP event in Huntington Beach, a lot of the players left at 1 a.m. the night follow, or the, that evening to Yuck. go to China, by the Yuck. way, which is not close. And then some of those players had to play on Tuesday in the, in the qualifier. Now that's tough. Yeah, suck on that, NFL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just not an easy situation. So I think the NFL should settle down, put a franchise in London, because I think that's good for them. Well, and here's the other thing, too, is that 
it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. So the players, like, just like you said, you know, if there was a league in Buffalo and people complained about going to Buffalo. Like, some of those, it's going to happen. Obamacare, going to happen. Right. So just roll with the punches. No, you could just keep spouting lies a, and rhetoric. A team, a team in London, going to happen. Now, the other argument is, is it going to be successful? I, based on the crowd, and that's why I yeah, but that's a, about that, it. But that's a one-off a year. Well, I've seen two games there this year, though. No, they yeah, had, they've had games. a few. You're right. You're right. And crappy teams. And it's not just, it's not just the fact that they're there and there's people in the seats. I like the jerseys that are on. People are into it. As the guy accelerates for a touchdown, they're cheering. They're into it. They're not just there because they're there. Yeah. They're there because they're into it. And London has a history. Remember, they had the Monarchs. That's true. And I think that was one of the one of the successful teams in World Football League. Well, and the world's getting smaller, too, so it's not like football's probably – it's not as big over there as it is for us, or American football's not as big over there. But right. But they have access to it. You know, it's not like where – it's not like they can't get it online or on TV, things like that. Like, there's access to it. And in Italy, I love the fact Italy had football. Because I spent a couple of years without football, except for maybe the championship games in the AFC and NFC, and then the Super Bowl. And maybe not even that. Yeah. Then I moved to Italy, and in Italy, I got games every week. Yeah. I got them delayed, so I got them the, the following day. But without commercials and without the in-between, they would splice between plays. So you could watch a whole game in like an hour and a half. That's cool. It was pretty neat. And plus they maintained when they went to the live stuff in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. they would show everything live. Then you you wouldn't have all the commercials. So in between, you'd get the cheerleader shots. (laughs) They're shooting the cheerleaders constantly in between. Nice. Because it's not like the cameras turn off. Correct. In between points. That feed is still going somewhere, so we would get that kind of world feed. And, uh, and watch the games. And I remember I came home. Eagles were playing the Carolina Panthers in the NFC Championship game. This has got to be 2003, early 2004, that season, 2003-2004. Mm-hmm. And I came home from a bus ride, got home at 2.30. I was taping the game. I flipped it on because we didn't have smartphones and Internet and everything yep. on the bus. So I flipped it on just in time to see Carolina run the clock out on my Eagles. <laughs> I think 3 a.m., climbed in bed, 3.30. Bitter. Awful. Sucked. Um, Cam commented that they can't fill uh, a stadium in Canada, but when they had that Buffalo Bills game, I think it was last year, it was a Bills home game. Well, let's be honest, because it's the Bills. Yeah. And the NFL is also not pushing Canada. They're pushing London hard. Canada has its own league. Yeah. I mean, BC Lions, Toronto Argonauts. 300-yard football fields. The Grey Cup. Yeah. 75-yard deep end zones. There's an NFL game in Canada every year, Cam? If there is, they don't make a big deal out of it like they do London. That's what I'm saying. It's the marketing and the push for over there. What was the name of the Scotland team? I have no idea. Anyone on the chat board? Scotland? World Football League? I know the answer, but... See if somebody can come up with it. Keep an eye on it. That was one of those things that kind of stuck in my craw this week as I was flying all over the place. Your craw. Thursday morning... Flew to Salt Lake City. Did mm-hmm. the match Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Flew home Friday morning. I watched part of your match, by the way. You and Mike Dodd did excellent. Oh, excellent. Thank you. And then did football here Friday night. Mm-hmm. Woke up Saturday at 6.20. Yep. Half awake in a panic. Because you don't know where you are. Looked at my clock. I was sure I was late for something. I was, <laughs> oh, the kid's got to go to school. I, I don't I'm know missing. what I'm late for, but it's something. I oh, can't figure it out yet. 
wait a second, no, I have to be at a broadcast. Have I missed the show? Wait, where? I'm in my own bed. Oh, it's 6.30. Wait, it's Saturday. I'm okay. Nobody panic. Back to sleep for now and a half. Nobody panic. Oh, my God. One of those weird things, just like waking up in Japan, not knowing what city nor what country was I in in the middle of the night. So panic moment. I don't see enough high school football, so I went up to homecoming at Chadwick, where my son currently goes, my older son, and okay. we watched the homecoming football game there. Okay. I left from there to drive to the airport to fly Saturday night back to Salt Lake City. Woke up and did the match yesterday afternoon in Salt Lake. Flew back from Salt Lake last night. Got home about 8.30. You went to Salt Lake twice in like four days? Yes. It's a choice. <laughs> After going to Vegas twice last week, I went to Salt Lake twice this week. Man, am I happy to stay home. I stay home until Saturday night when I will go to Cal, go up to Oakland, and yeah, I'll be cool. there for Cal, UCLA. Is that, which, a, is that a turnaround? Do you get to come back that night? Or do you have to come back the next I night? come back that night. I gotcha. co- well, no, I go up Saturday night, come back Sunday. Okay. Gotcha. Very unfortunate match, though, in my opinion. Cal, UCLA? Yes. I haven't done either team, so I have to do two rosters. It just ticks me off. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work for one match. And who are you working with that match? Uh, it's Pac-12. Uh, who am I working with? Kelly Tennant. Worked with her on Sunday. Had a lot of fun doing Utah and Arizona. So I saw Utah, Arizona State, and Utah, Arizona this weekend. Utah. Utah, Johnny Utah. I remember you. How about Colorado, by the way? I mean, how about Utah, first of all, beat ASU and Arizona? Mm-hmm. Not as big a deal, I think. Impressive. Not as big a deal as Colorado beating both those teams. So, so by that... What's the word we came up with last week? Oh, the transitive property? Yes, thank you. Yes, the yeah. transitive <laughs> property of, of volleyball. So by the transitive property of volleyball, in fact, Utah and Colorado could be ranked number one in the nation because ASU beat Texas 3-0 earlier in the year. So by the transitive property of volleyball, those teams capable of number one. Good for them. But congratulations to Liz Kritza in Colorado. They are, they are a tough match. And we're getting close... We're getting close. We're getting close. Starts soon. End of this month? End of November. Yeah. Wow. That's almost We haven't hit Halloween yet. Yeah. Meantime, the TNL curse, those that have been listening to this show for a while know there is, like Sports Illustrated, like Madden, there is a <laughs> NetLive curse, and it has afflicted Michigan State. Sorry, everybody. They've lost four straight. Sorry, Spartans. We booked them on the show. They lost two. We had them on the show. They lost two more. Is it because I said that a Spart... Like 12 Spartans would lose to 12 Tigers, or 12, what, yeah. was, the other, what was the animal? I, I forget what it was. But whatever it was, it was a mall. Wolverines, maybe? No, it was a bigger, it was, a, it was like it a, was it, was, it was a large cat. It was Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, it was Tigers. Sorry, Spartans, you're done. <laughs> I'll take responsibility. So, sorry, Kathy George. We apologize. I hope we can get away with it. How about Mizzou, though? Mizzou is defying the curse. They won two matches. Again, they remain undefeated. So, should they be calling back in today to have good karma? Uh, no, because that would be just pushing it. That would oh, be pushing okay. the bounds. They gotcha. beat LSU 3-1. They beat Texas A&M 3-0 after being on the program. So 25-0, 9-0 in the Southeastern Conference. Congratulations to Mizzou. They're number 11 in last week's poll. We will have this week's updated poll for you here on the show. I'm sure they will be rising, given the fact that Michigan State at 10 lost both their matches, lost to Michigan and Indiana. Somebody told me Indiana was winless. I don't know if someone can confirm that. By the way, the answer is Claymores, if no one answered on the chat board. Claymore, what are we talking about? Scott, Scotland Claymores. Oh, yes. Scottish yes. Claymores. Uh, San Diego. Okay, so they had two wins on the weekend. Not the tilted kilts like uh, Jay Hasek said. 
Jay Hasek, you can come over here and build cabinets and work on my house anytime. Nice job with the door mirror. What's Indi- behind? Where'd the door go, Jay? Indiana was winless in conference. Winless in conference, and they go out and beat Michigan State. Hawaii is going to be falling. How about Hawaii? I'd love to go to Hawaii. Lost to Cal State Northridge. Congratulations, Jeff Stork. Your team is relevant this year. And lost to UC Davis. You also have Minnesota, who lost to Wisconsin, who's number 16. So Minnesota could fall. Mizzou, I'll tell you what, Mizzou could make a case to be number seven. Okay. They really could, because everybody above that pretty well took care of business. Texas got two wins. Penn State got two wins. Penn State, uh, I'm going to come back in a second. You have something to say about that? Wow. Okay. Washington, two wins. USC beat Washington State, lost to Washington, so they probably stay where they're at. They lost 3-1 last night to Washington. And it's number three and number four going at it. You expect number three to win. That's going to be interesting, right? Because that was our argument a couple weeks ago. Yeah, who... If you get defeated... Transient properties? Transitive? Transitive properties. But No, this is, this is what if you get beat by a team us. above you, that was the expected result. Should you drop in the rankings because you lost to someone higher? And, and I don't think you should. You're kind of where you ought to be. Well, I think it depends on what happens to the teams that were ranked below you, what they did. Could be. So Florida... Got two wins. So do you put Florida above Southern Cal? The Gators. The Gators. Stanford picked up two wins. Mm-hmm. And then you have Minnesota who got that loss. So so I really think Mizzou has a, a case to be number seven. Okay. We'll find out soon, won't we? We will. We will. We'll have that during College of Volleyball Weekly. Now, Penn State. Here we go. Nittany Lions. The Nittany Lions. This team... They get honestly, they get a free ride in the first two rounds of the tournament. Okay. And I love Russ Rose. I love what he's done at Penn State. Much respect for the man in the program. Is it their fault they get a free ride? No, it's the NCAA's fault, really. Okay. But it's their fault that they claim they don't really get a free ride. When you're playing well, St. You, Mary you, of the Star. What are you supposed to say? Yeah, you're right, everybody. We totally get a free ride. St. Mary of the Star in the first round. And Mrs. Aquinas University in the second. Okay? You are getting a free ride. When you're playing two teams no one can name inside college volleyball, mm-hmm. you are getting a free ride. That said, takes nothing away from how good Penn State is. It does allow them to get some pretty good confidence and roll right through to the Elite Eight. Gotcha. So what and you're, then play some match. But what you're upset about is that they don't admit they have a free ride. Right. But, but they, somehow but they but claim... Not, but it's not their fault that they have a free ride. No, but you could say, <laughs> we are not getting the, the toughest competition in the first two rounds. Other teams are playing much more difficult matches year after year than we are playing. Okay. Now, I don't... I don't I, I this like hasn't get, come directly from anyone inside. I, know, I, just, like, I just like when you get fired up. The thing here. I find it funny. But here's, here's what I want to give Penn State credit for. They, they put up... What could be, Jay, not pleased with you right now. One of the most brutal beatings that we've seen in in collegiate volleyball. Mm-hmm. They play Iowa, and I want to know if this is this has got to be close to the scoring record. The okay? Buckeyes, I, and I mean the uh, Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes. Uh-huh. They beat them in straight sets. That's all well and good. Here are your set scores. <laughs> Can't wait. Eight. Oh. Eight. Oh. Eleven. Oh. <laughs> is that I wonder, is that the worst defeat in the history of the Big Ten? Because you're not talking about a slouch school. Iowa, 
I don't know. First of all, they're, they're D1? Yeah, they're okay, in the Big then, Ten. Then they're not a slouch school. 8-8-11. Eight, eight, you scored 27 points in a match. Oh. You barely got enough points for one set. You gave up 75. That's 75-27 for those counting at home. And now are those 8-8-11... Eight, eight, like with Penn State blame themselves for those points. Like, oh, that was our fault that they scored that. You know what I'm saying? Jay says they beat Ohio State 9-11-17. So that's pretty good. You put up 150 points, and you only gave up about 63. If I'm doing the math correctly off the top of my head, something close to that, 64 maybe. Sure. That is unreal. That's a, that, Kevin, is a smashing. Yes. Oh, now we have we have conflicting scores, 9-11-16, whatever. It's close. You guys bicker about it. It's <laughs> ridiculous. So Penn State, way to go. Two go. Iowa's 10 and 12 and 1 and 9, so they're struggling. But that's really struggling. Not 8, 8, and 11 struggling. Ugh. Sometimes when you got it, you got it, Kevin. I mean, if you're Iowa... I don't even think you meet about that. You just say, we'll see you tomorrow at practice. Somebody said 9, 11, and 16.5. Got <laughs> <laughs> to half a block. Uh, uh, so, so way to go, Penn State. And now they get a free ride in the first two rounds. Well, all right. <laughs> let's look at this. Because the 2002 NCAA Volleyball Tournament, I, I want to look at the, the bracket here. Your interact- you get the interactive bracket. Do a nice job with this. I'm going to look at Penn State. Here's Penn State. They played Binghamton, Binghamton, mm-hmm. and Bowling Green before they got Kentucky. Binghamton. I'm looking for game details here. How badly did they beat Binghamton? Can I get a box score, please, NCAA? Is their website like the FIVBs? Well, I don't know if it's that bad. Look, I have stats. I have no scores. I don't know if it's that bad. I can't. I can't even get. They give me play by play. I just want. I just want the scores here. Third set. Oh, twenty-five nine in the third set. By the way. Yeah, it's smashing. Twenty twenty-five three in set number two. Ugh. All right, set one. Okay, so eleven three. What did I say? Eleven three eight or something? No, I only heard eleven and three. Eleven three nine. Ele- Twenty three points. You didn't even <laughs> you didn't, score a whole set. Score, yeah. Binghamton. <laughs> really? Binghamton. Is it, is it like when uh, a D three school plays a D one school in football? Like, does that help that smaller college like recruit kids and things like that? You don't get money. Those smaller schools walk away with a few hundred grand for playing. D1 no, I know, football. but like, well, okay, I'm with you. Okay, it, so it doesn't help them. Like, they can't recruit. Like, look, we're in the tournament. Look at us. Even though we got smashed. The next round, they were Penn State was challenged. They were on the ropes. They they <laughs> almost lost this one to Bowling Green. Well, they scored ten, fifteen, 15 twelve, fifteen. Mm. <sighs> Super close. And year after year, this happens. Tell you what, Kevin. Yes. You can only play who your opponent is. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. Please direct all Penn State hate mail to Kev Barn at... <laughs> like I said, no hate for no hate at all for Penn State. Going on with their tournament seating is a joke. 
Let's take a break. We're going to come right back. We're going to have Beth Lanier here on the Net Live, head coach of the Utah Utes in their third season inside the Pac-12. They are making some waves. They are on their way. Utah. Utah. Johnny Utah. On a Monday before Halloween. Welcome back to the Net Live here just before Halloween. You dressing up? Uh, probably not. Okay. Kids are kids aren't that enthused about it this year. I don't know why. They're kind of they're kind of out on it. Uh, now with Christmas, wait till they hear. Um, if they're not that into it, they're not going to get candy. They'll uh, change their tune real quick. Yeah, Reese is all bummed out because he has braces, so he claims he can't eat half the candy. That's okay. My younger one, he doesn't. Just throw into a smoothie and you're good to go. You know, one more note on the Penn State thing. Look, this first round matchup is one thing. It's the second round matchups that are hilarious because Penn State gets the winner of Delaware and American, and then they just crush the second round. Everybody, if you're going to be the tops in your region, yeah, you're going to get a pretty, pretty, pretty easy first round. That's the way it goes. I think it's the second round where people complain. You know, Texas gets Michigan State. Kentucky gets Texas A&M in their second round, stuff like that. And that was 2011. That wasn't... Uh, Can only play who's on the other side of the net, Kevin. Cincy and Florida State, that's a hell of a matchup. Minnesota-Washington in the second round. Hello? Minnesota-Washington in the second round. And you're walking all over Delaware. Last time I checked, teams that win the Pac-12 ought to have a pretty easy route, and typically that does not happen. So Southern Cal ends up seventh. I guess they got Tulsa. It's not so bad. So, there you go. Crickets. All right, tell me about the beach thing while we're waiting on Beth Lanier. Uh, Beth is here, so we'll get back to that. Oh, well, let's get to that then. Yeah. 
I got my mom texting me. I got to respond to. Yeah. Well, Text from my mom. Tell your mom there's intro music playing. So. <laughs> hey, mom, I'm busy. This coach, if you've been around the world of volleyball, needs no introduction. In her 24th year at the helm of the Utah Utes, that's the most tenured coach inside the Pac-12 because when you move to the Pac-12 and you change conferences, they don't take away your years of coaching experience. Correct. They've been now three years. This is their third inside the Pac-12, the Utah Utes, and Beth Lanier, along with J.J. Riley and Brian Doyon, have risen to the challenge. Their team playing some excellent volleyball. They are now 6-4 and four in Pac-12 play and putting themselves in a pretty good spot to make the postseason for the first time out of the Pac-12. Welcome to that live once again, Beth Lanier. Beth. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. Hey, thanks for calling in. And, wow, what a weekend. You sweep the Arizonas. You guys are now 6-4. Yeah. and four. You've actually matched your total number of wins in the Pac-12 Conference or your record number of wins inside the Pac-12 okay. Conference. What does this say about your team? Well, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I like this year's team of mine. You know, I, I felt like we were going to have a pretty good season. Um, you know, we, we had spent two years um, – you know, finishing not not last in the Pac-12, we finished ninth both years um, in our first two years, and we started off with a lot of freshmen and sophomores in that first year. And last year they were sophomores and juniors, and this year they're juniors and seniors. And um, we've just slowly been we've slowly put together a good season. You know, we we haven't had any bad losses. Um, we hadn't really beat one of the top teams. Um, you know, in and we still I'd still like to get one of them. But picking off Arizona State and Arizona in the same weekend, that was big for us. Um, and, you know, I know you were here, Kevin. That's the first time since being in the Pac-12 that we've won both matches in a weekend. And I just feel like that's a, real, a big step for our program in terms of, of where we are within the Pac-12. Do you think your players are finally adjusting to what it takes to play in this conference where you have to play at your highest level every night? Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, the learning curve – um, from from the Mountain West, um, and, and nothing against the Mountain West. It's a great conference. But the learning curve into the Pac-12 was extreme, um, probably bigger than anybody, you know, could have really anticipated. And it took a good two years for us to really gain the confidence and, and believe that, that we did belong. And, and um, you know, we got some big wins here and there, but, but just to do it night in and night out of what we're doing, you know, this year, um, just takes a lot of mental toughness. It's just a whole different ball game, and and you just have to be good every night, and you have to get better every week. And um, it's it's fun. It's really fun to play in this conference, but it's a grind, no doubt about it. If you had to pick one skill that you think is really exceptional inside the Pac-12 that you have to face off against each night, what is it? Mhm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that they – that's a really good question. I think there's a lot of great defensive teams, to be honest. I mean, I think there's – I mean, everyone knows about the, you know, the big the big bangers and, and, the, and the big play at the net, but it's hard to get a kill in this conference. I mean, there's a lot of skilled volleyball players in the Pac-12, and the ball control and the defense, I think that was one of the first things we learned, you know, opening weekend uh, three years ago. We were going up and taking our biggest rips on the ball that would have been easily kills and – and you know, Natalie Hagelin was just back there digging them up, going, well, "Is that all you got?" And you better figure out how to get kills another way. 
and going, you know, hard off the inside arm of the of the middle blocker. So I, I would say that's probably the biggest change that we've found is just figuring out how to get kills against good defensive teams. So this weekend you guys beat Arizona State, who's been on a, a horrible losing streak. They actually went and lost to Colorado after you guys, and they have now lost seven straight matches. Yeah. But that was ranked as high as 15 earlier this yeah. year. And now Arizona was ranked 25th coming into your match, and you guys picked yeah. them off. Yeah. So should you guys be in the top 25? Should you guys at least get votes? Because there were no votes <laughs> for you last week. Well, yeah, I actually think we should, to be honest with you. I think we've been under the radar. Um, you know, our RPI has, has been anywhere from 17th to, to 22nd. And, um, but, we, you know, we hadn't had that big, the big win. I, I think our win at Cal was really good. But we hadn't, you know, we hadn't picked off Washington or USC or Stanford. or, And so, like I said, we've just been quietly going about our business, but yeah, I think our team probably deserves to be up there. You know, I think we've put together, you know, a, a good season so far. And, you know, 17-5 and five with some really quality, quality wins. Um, yeah, I think we should be in there. All right, so we'll see. We'll, guys... see what, we'll see what the other vote, see if anybody else votes for us. But I, I think I will. I think I'll vote for us. So you guys can <laughs> vote for yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. What what do you think your team has to improve in order to continue this role and maybe pick off one of those those higher teams, one of those top three teams, USC, Stanford, yeah, Washington? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you watched us play this weekend. Um, we definitely have the physicalness to, to play with those teams. Um, our block is, is huge, you know. We had 20 blocks yesterday against Arizona. Um, so that huh? always dictates our success. Um, but... Um, you know, we have to have we got to put together better offensive numbers against those top teams. And, and again, that's whatever. Usually, what gets us in trouble is is our offense. We're usually we're holding teams defensively with our block and our floor defense. Um, we got to get kills. And so, you know, we'll just keep plugging away and try to keep taking care of the teams that we need to take care of. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, be able to knock off somebody, you know, at the top. But, you know. We've just been doing it by being pretty consistent through the course of the year, so hopefully we'll just keep that going through the, the second round. Yeah, for more offense, of course, I did do those matches. I watched Chelsea Schofield and looked at her stats coming in. Her hitting percentage has been ugly, let's say, but her yeah. rest of the game has been exceptional. She plays fantastic defense, leads your team in digs. She passes nails for you guys. Yeah. What can you do with Chelsea to get her out of the rut she's in offensively? Because she has yeah. the capability to be great. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, I, I try not to look at her hitting percentage. That's that's how I solved that problem. Um, <laughs> you know, she. It, you're exactly right. She does so many things for us. And to be honest, we told her just keep passing balls so we can get them to the middles and our right sides. And that's, that's the number one thing. We're addressing her offense. Um, we're dealing with it every, every week in practice. But she's really bought into, you know, with running a 6-2, um, you know, maybe we don't need every single player um, being the offensive weapon for us with six hitters. So her role is definitely to pass, and she's, I mean, she passed over three point. She was like three five on a four point scale yesterday, um, and and so we can get the ball to who we need to get it to, and and that's been kind of the key to our success this year too. Is we've got a lot of players understanding their role um, and doing their jobs and buying into their roles, and and that's one of the reasons we're really flowing right now. But yeah, whatever production we can get out of our out of 
you know, Chelsea Schofield and Morgan O'Dell on the left. But we're getting a lot of production out of our middles, Aaron Red and, and Bailey Bateman. And Shelby Dalton's just doing a great job on the right side for us. Um, and then Allie Spurs rolls to be in there and block balls as that second right side. And whatever offense we can get out of there, too, is, is a plus. So We're working on it. Yeah, you guys definitely have a really cool team concept with the different roles and different opportunities and depth that you have. I wonder, coming out of yesterday's match and also the Arizona State match, opportunities to close out sets. You guys are taking multiple set points and letting teams back in. How do you as a coach construct drills to address that aspect of the game and the ability to finish sets? Yeah, you know, um, different things kind of start kind of start biting you at certain parts of the season. All of a sudden, I mean, we served very tough early in the year, and then all of a sudden we got into a period of some missed serves, and then we're serving a little easier. And I think that's affecting us with closing out games right now. So I think for sure our serving needs to be addressed, and, and we've been doing that. And then, you know, just like any coach would do, is try to put them in positions in practice every day to to, to get that done. So, um you know, I think, you know, I think we're okay. I think our serving is definitely an issue, and, and I think we got to get that solved. But uh, we'll just keep grinding out every day in practice and keep putting ourselves in those positions. Because um, you're right, we we don't win 3-0 very often. We tend to go 4 or 5, and, um, and we've got to figure out how to close some sets out. Well, yeah, not for lack of opportunity, had uh, five set points. It took a minimum of three set points to close out each one of your sets yesterday against right. Arizona. And that was a tough right. one to have a, a three or four point lead and then give that away and end up in a deuce yeah. set type situation. Yeah, you guys I thought in sets one and two we were pretty up and down, and then I thought we settled in pretty good in sets four and five. But yeah, we were right. mentally not too sharp, and and probably should have won those match those sets, you know, definitely a little bit easier than we did. No question about it. Yeah, set number one, for those that didn't have an opportunity to watch it, one of the weird ones in volleyball where a team wins nearly every statistical category except for the score and wins, yeah. wins big most of those categories. Really, it was just service errors. Yeah. Um, you have yeah. Washington and Washington State coming up this next week. You guys are going to go on the road and have that travel trip. Not an easy trip. Uh, what are your thoughts right. on facing off with Washington in particular? Yeah. Um, you know, we like – we like our matchup with Washington. Um, we always have played pretty good volleyball with them. Um, our systems are quite similar. I think we have the physicalness, um, you know, to match them at the net at least. Um, and so traditionally we've, we've had some pretty good matches with them. Um, we got five with them last year. I think you did that match um, up at their place. So I think we just got to show up and, and – um, you know, we got to be able to pass, serve and pass on the road because we can. I think we can battle with anyone. You know, at the net. So, what are we going to do? You know, at the last half of the court is going to be the difference. And then, to be honest, um, we've got to fly into Pullman the second night. Um, so one one of the few trips that we don't have a day in between. Um, and we'll fly into Pullman and play a, a good competitive Washington State team that plays hard and plays really well at home. So. I think it's going to be a tough weekend that we're really going to have to be prepared for. Yeah, flying into Pullman, it's a little bit like landing at your house. It's like it's like you had a home <laughs> and you had a, an airport out back. It's one of the smallest yeah, airports yeah. I've ever been in. Yeah, yeah. Keeps things Keeps simple, things I guess, simple. you know. Yeah. We should, sure. We should yeah, the rental the, car's not far away. We should get away. to the restaurant pretty 
We should get to the restaurant pretty fast off the plane. <laughs> I remember when I was up there, somebody told me that the Kinkos had closed in town, and I had to go all the way to Moscow for a Kinkos. And I said, really? All the way to Moscow? How far is that? They go, well, it's like eight miles. I'm like, uh, I can handle eight miles. I think I got that one covered. <laughs> right, right. But they, so, you know, it's a great environment there, you know. It's, it's, they've got a nice home court advantage. We play in a smaller venue. So it, it's, it's kind of a hornet's nest, you know. It's a tough place to play. Yeah, you guys moved from a smaller venue very similar to that of Washington State into yeah. the, the John Huntsman Center this year. Has that been a positive for you guys? It's been a, 100% positive, Kevin. Um, it was tough to move. You know, as, as you mentioned early on, I've been here a long time, and obviously I don't like change that much. Um, <laughs> and so to change from <laughs> Crimson Court where we, you know, won over 80% of our matches and, and really had a home court advantage and – it was tough, and I, I, knew, I knew I didn't want to do it in the first two years of the Pac-12. I, I felt that we needed to get our, our feet under us just playing the conference, let alone going to a new venue. But this year, we, we felt like it was the time. We knew we had an experienced team. And to be honest, it's just been, just been great. Um, the level of the game of volleyball itself has, has improved. You know, we had a, a low ceiling in Crimson Court, and that was kind of a drag sometimes on great rallies and it gets stopped, and just the whole venue is a beautiful venue, one of the most historical venues in our country. Um, trivia question, most famous basketball um, game ever played in the Huntsman Center? Do you know what it is? Kevin? I don't. I don't. A Seems little, like I uh, yeah. Anyone? Jeremy? Hello? I got nothing. I should know. <laughs> All right. Oh, so a little... A little national championship basketball game that had a couple players called uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Um, Indiana State versus Michigan State was played in the Huntsman Center. I think it was 79. Yeah, um, 1979. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Learn so it's just a beautiful – it really is a beautiful venue and, and uh, a lot of history, and we're loving playing volleyball in there. It's got a good vibe to it for sure. Wow. Bird v. Magic. All right. Well, that's making the next broadcast when I do come back out to see you guys on, on a Thursday yeah. afternoon. I think it's the Cal match. All right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. You're in a three-way tie, Beth Lanier, for fourth place with California and Colorado. Do you feel like this team is going to the tournament this year? I think we're close. I think we've got a little bit of work to do still. Um you know, I, I think we need to get a few more wins, um, and then we're there. But um, like I told my team, we're just going to keep our nose down and, and um, you know, stay on the radar as much as we can and just keep doing the, the work that we need to do. But I think we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. Well, congratulations on a great early season. Hope to see it continue, and uh, best wishes. We'll see you again in about a uh, week and a half or so. Thanks for giving yeah. us some time this right. morning, Beth. Okay, thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Cool, thanks. Beth Lanier, head coach thanks. at Utah, the Utah Utes. 17-5 and overall, 6-4 and in the Pac-12. They are in a three-way tie for fourth with Cal and Colorado. Upcoming matches, they will go, as mentioned, to Washington, to Washington State, then back home for Cal-Stanford. That'll be good. So those will be good. And then they get the Arizonas again. They'll go on the road for the Arizonas, and then they will be at home for Oregon, Oregon State. Those they need to have. I think that that team's capable of playing at a very high level. And they will get Colorado one more time at Colorado and finish up at UCLA. So not necessarily an easy schedule. It, yeah. If you're in the Pac-12, your schedule looks and sounds gnarly. Yeah. 
it's never good. <laughs> it's never like, oh, yeah, they should win those two. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, if you look at what they should win, judging where they're at now, what they should win, they should win Washington State. I don't know if you say they should win Cal. Really, I, I think they should. Uh, yeah. Cal is up and down, too, but let's say they should beat Washington State 100%. They can beat Cal. They should beat Arizona State. Okay. From what I saw yesterday against Arizona, they should beat Arizona and handily next time. Okay. They ought to beat Oregon State, and they ought to beat UCLA because UCLA is terrible this year. Okay. Now, that said, the dangerous back and forth of these games, really the only ones you'd say probably you're going to lose are Washington, Stanford, and that's it. Okay. Washington, Stanford, those are two toughest teams they're going to face, and they're going to get them in their next four matches. They're going to get them uh, on the front, their very next match, so and know, then their fourth. They'll know a lot soon. Well, they will, but then, but then none of these other matches are easy. Of course not. Arizona State's not easy. Arizona's not easy. Oregon's not easy. Oregon State is not easy. Oregon State yesterday, if I'm remembering correctly, went five. Hmm. Uh, or or took, yeah, took somebody five. I'm going to look it up. But, hey, Oregon State is not a slouch. And that one's going to be on the road, I think. Well, anytime you play in conference, too, like it's the, I don't care if it's the last place team in the conference, it's still a conference game, and they always seem to get up for stuff like that. So nothing's a give me. Yeah. Well, all right, that one, so that one is going to happen at the Huntsman Center. That's pretty good. But, uh, you know, Oregon State, people like to kind of poo-poo Oregon State because they're not playing well. They have had some injuries, and they're, they've been kind of struggling. Because they're a beaver. <laughs> and their mascot's a little silly, let's be honest. You're not winning any mascot challenge. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they played Cal. They went 3-2 with Cal yesterday. So Oregon State's legit. They went 3-2 with UCLA. Went 3-2 with Washington State. Well, that's not a great one, but but they went 3-2 with Long Beach State. I mean, this is a good team. So what do the Utes need to do to get in it if they're tied 3-4 right now? Gosh, let me see. If they finish in the top half of the Pac-12, they're in, I think. Because yeah. I think you get six, seven teams usually from the Pac-12. Okay. So finish in the top half, you're in good shape. They're tied for fourth right now okay. with two other teams. So effectively, they're at the top half. They're, yep. at, they're at six, right? They have to beat Washington State. They have to beat Arizona State if they continue the way they're going. They have to beat Oregon State. They have to beat Colorado. And they have to beat UCLA. Yep. Was that five matches? That's five matches. So they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten left. If they go five and five in their next ten, they'll be eleven and nine in the Pac twelve. And they'll be twenty two and ten overall. Hundred percent in the tournament. Okay. They go five hundred, they are guaranteed to be in the tournament. Okay. I'm gonna say that right now. Stamp it. Mark it down. Put an envelope. Mark it down. 11 and 9 equals tournament time for Beth Lanier in Utah. And they are dangerous. They could, playing well, they could be an Elite Eight team. I'm into that. Playing well. Yeah. Well, you you have to think that they're going to get better still as the season goes. Hopefully. Hope so. Schofield should pick it up. This is not a player who lacks the capability. She's just in a rut. Happens. Yeah, she's just in a rut. She's got to pick up her offense and... And hopefully the, the staff can get her to do that. No. Because she's doing some other stuff at a very high level. You lead your team in digs, outside hitter. It's pretty awesome. That's impressive. <laughs> Passes nails. She's a good blocker. She looks like she remains positive through the whole thing. She's not getting disappointed in the errors she's making. Yeah. And she's also, the kills she is getting are coming at critical moments. 
At the end that of sets, she's making some really nice plays. That's a big difference. So it's not all bad on the offensive side for Chelsea Schofield. And, and certainly a player feel like, hey, it's in her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in her. So thanks to Beth Lanier for giving us some time. Really cool. Victory over Cal, victory over ASU, victory over Arizona. Those are good wins. For sure. Real good wins. So we'll continue to follow the story of Utah. Utah. Utah, Johnny, Utah. All right, let's talk a little uh, beach because we had sort of a big moment. I don't think it's sort of a big moment. It's a huge moment, Kevin. Huge moment of volleyball. Well, I don't think it's getting – if it would have happened domestically, maybe it would have gotten a little bit more publicity. And granted, it just happened the other day, yesterday or the day before. But Curry Walsh Jennings. Hyphen. Yes, is now the winningest woman all time. In professional beach volleyball, with 113 career victories. Wow, that's crazy. 113. Her and April won in China. They are now two for two on the FIVB. Um, it's a big deal, Kevin. That is a big deal. She is now one win ahead of Misty. And let's put it in perspective. So they Carrie really started playing beach. 2002, maybe. Came onto the AVP in 2003. And it was a topic of conversation in Huntington Beach. Could she patch, pass, pass Karch in victories? And I think we brought this up, uh, mentioned a little bit last 142 week. 142 or 144? One, he's, what, what's she I, at? I, she's at 113. I think Karch is at 148. I'll look it up. I think. Um... And before, when her, you could almost count eight to ten victories domestically for Carrie and Misty because you had that many domestic events, and they basically won all of them. They're giving Karch 148 on BBB and Yeah, 148. So Correct. 148 wins. Carrie would have to win a lot to do that. And I don't think there's enough tournaments for her. <sighs> By the next Olympics, for sure, there's not enough enough events for her to catch him. I mean, there's enough events, but she would have to win the majority of them to catch him. And I don't know if I don't know if going on a run like her and Misty did is still possible in today's climate. Just because there's like again domestically, there's not going to be as many events. Is she good enough to still do it? Oh, of course. Um, I, just, I mean, it's a really difficult thing to do. When they rattled off, what was 103 uh, matches in a row? Is that what it was? Something close to that, yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just ridiculous. 2012, she won 10. Which is a lot. So, considering By the number the of tournaments that are yeah, available, yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So she, she would 10. have to win. This year, she's won 10. 2013? That's no. what it says here. FIVB 3. AVP 7. Oh, played 7. Sorry. Yeah, hold, on. Here, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold oh, on. Numbers yeah, are all off. Yeah, then. yeah, Okay, so... There's no way she won 10. <laughs> no, 10. No, she won 2 in 2012. That's right. That makes more sense. Yes. She won 2. She no, she won 4 this year. 2 and 4. Yeah, 2 domestic, 4 right. international. The big years four were... 4 international? 2006. Or? No, 2 on the FIVB. And then 4 AVP. And two on the AVP, at least according to BVB Info. Yeah. That's all it's listed. Four the, total. What were the four domestically? Because I was there. There aren't four. There's two. 
What were the two domestically? I, I have to click on it. Oh, okay. I'm busy adding other stuff up because gotcha. if you look back, 2001 on the BVA, she won one. 2003's transition to the ABP, she wins eight. Yeah. Then seven, then 10, then 14. 14 is a hell of a year. Then you win one at the AVP Hot Winter Nights. <laughs> so you get that bonus. But, so they, she goes 14, but that does that count as... That doesn't count. No, I'm just messing around. So 14 in 2006. We're gonna, Hot Winter Nights, they give, her, they give credit to her as a win. No, of win, course. But, she won the tournament, but it's not a... So call it 14 in 2007 with that Hot Winter Nights yeah. victory. Because she yeah. had 13 on the regular AVP. Then she had 12 in 08. This is just AVP, by the way. In, 08, in the meantime, the way, they were adding five, an seven, year. yeah, six. So, so in those years, they were winning twenty in some cases, or close to it, Which seventeen is to twenty. A plethora. That's a lot. That's winning a lot. That's basically winning every time you're out on the on the on the court. Now, can they do that? Can April and Carrie do that? If they can produce, let's say, ten, ten wins a year for the next three years, That's they'll good. be within five. Carrie will be within five. If they She's win. at thirty-five right now. She's got to last she would be at 35. four more years. If she goes five years, I think she's got it. But that's through an Olympic Games and two more. And that's seven wins a year. That's, that's doable. But still, that's a pretty good year. She won Manhattan Beach this year. I forgot that one. Oh, thanks, BJ, for putting that on the chat board. I just saw it. I'm going to say right now, Sitting here in 2013. Carrie's 35 years old. 35 years old. Karch is at 148. Yeah. I mean, it's 35 wins. She's 35 now. She'll be 40 in five years. I just don't know. That's a tough one. That is a tough one to predict. That's a great over-under bet. And I don't think it's going to be... I don't think it's going to be... Matter of participation or ability, I think it's going to be a matter of injury. I think it's more of a matter of there aren't enough events. Could be too, especially if if domestically things don't pan out. Well, even internationally has has canceled some of their yeah. events, and then traveling like you know when they're qualifying for the Olympics, like how many international matches do they have to play? Will they take some off so they don't have to travel? So they're only playing in the big ones for the more points. Like those kind of things factor into it as well. In 2006, for instance, mm-hmm. there were 24 available events. She played in 24 events in 2006. And probably won 18 or 19 of them. Well, yeah, in 2006, three victories, not a great year internationally, three victories internationally, and 14 domestically, so 17 wins. That's, that's an incredible year. 17 wins out of 24 events, that's, that's ridiculous. But that's that's otherworldly, for sure. And 2006 definitely a different place as far as the rest of the world's abilities. The rest of the world a lot more dangerous now than they were six years ago. Oh, 100%. So 24 available events. Com- contrast that to this year in 2013. And she missed some beginning of the year, right? She played 10 events this year. Yeah, and missed out on um, some international events to start the season. 10 events won four. Still, 40%. Nice record. She'll play more next year. We'll see how many are available next year. Yep. Yeah, you're right. There may not be enough. and There may not be enough time to get the all-time. But who's up there with Karch? Sinjin? 
Randy? Sinjin's the next one. That I'd have to look it up, but I want to say like in the one. I don't know why one fourteen sticking in my head, but it's probably more than that. Uh, oh, sinking. That's not the word I wanted. Spell correct. <laughs> I hate when it does that. Sinjin Smith, one thirty nine. Wow, he is that close. I don't yeah. know why 114 was stuck in my head. Because you underestimated. Good friend of the show, by the way. Longest show all time for the Net Live was with Sinjin. Was. <laughs> but he has PNR victories, yeah. victories, Some of them USAB like victories, FIVB victories. His backyard weird. barbecue victories. <laughs> hey, everybody, come on over. I won. The side out. Backyard tournament yeah, win. Whatever. Win's a win, Kevin. No, 139. Just when, like Penn when, State. Doesn't matter. You can only play who's on the other side of the net. We play this game with a lot of the teams when we're doing their stuff because they have victories that happened when they were a club program back in 77. Yeah. And count. they're 21-4 and four against somebody or they're 18-4 and four against somebody or whatever. Like the Knicks-Norseka qualifier. I think that counts. Okay. I think that goes open, in there. It's not an open victory, though. Yeah, but so neither when, is FIVB CNS, whatever but, the heck that is. So let me ask you this. So when Dustin is announcing Nick, do you say, oh, Nick has five victories, four open victories, or whatever the number is? I don't know. If you're announcing AVP, maybe you take AVP victories. It's one of the stupid things of volleyball. <laughs> how, I mean, how many points do you play into? So anyway, Sinjin, 139 victories. Karch, 148. Is 139... Can Carrie get to 139? Can she pass Sinjin? That'd be 26 to tie, 27 to win. And that's, I mean, 26 is a lot of t- tournament victories. Not only a lot of tournaments, just a lot of tournaments to win. Gosh, it's the rest of the world that's the problem. So I don't know. Do you think, and you can answer this on the chat board, do you think Carrie Walsh is going to catch either Sinjin or Karch? Tell us yes or no. Karchy. Email us. Why or why not? Uh, will Carrie catch Karch? The net live at gmail.com. Catch Karch at 148, Sinjin at 139, Carry right now at 113. Will she catch the all-time wins, period? She's already the winningest woman ever. And it, and it doesn't matter who her partners are, who she's playing with. Well, she's won with Whitney, she's won with Misty, she's won with Rachel, Rachel she's won with uh, April. Yep. Probably somebody else in there. Probably. I just, my concern is, are there going to be enough tournaments? Can she do it? Absolutely. Are there enough tournaments? We'll find out. But here's the I mean, how big of an accomplishment is it since she really started playing beach volleyball? It's been 10 years, basically. 2003, so 11 or 12 years. So 2002 was really her first year, her first year with the AVP. So you're averaging 12 victories a year, more or less? Because you're nine? No, I guess fewer than that. I was working on 2010 numbers. 2002, yeah, I mean, 10 years, 11 years. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, 10 wins. 12 wins. Misty uh, passed Holly, I think it was 2007, for Misty to become the all-time leader at that time. So that was pretty quick, by the way. 2000, 2000 when Misty started playing on the beach? She was Same 2000, thing. yeah. She quit the national team 99 or something. So 2000, so basically eight years to pass. She gets a 73, ended with 112. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. I think you can say this, that Carrie Misty are the best 
greatest beach volleyball team of all time. I'd have a hard time arguing with that. Just thinking about Karch and Kent, Randy, or Randy and Sinjin. Mm-hmm. 103, Kevin. Some of it's opportunity. Again, you can't. Some of that stuff you can't control. And and they were fortunate enough, Misty and Carrie, to come along at a time when there was more opportunity for the women's tour. Because remember, the women's tour has been through how many iterations? Correct. So, yeah, fortunate for them to be there. And Sinjin and Randy were along at a time period when... Yeah, that's Brandon. We're along at a time period where it was a little sketchy. It wasn't really late 70s. For sure. So they were kind of coming along. Yeah, I mean, your timing is your timing. A, a remarkable accomplishment, no oh. doubt. Now we're we're debating how remarkable. <laughs> All right, it's already in the unbelievably awesome category. Well, where, where does it rank in yeah, the unbelievably exactly. awesome category? Well, I said this before. Like, when Tiger was winning all those tournaments, he was winning, like, 20-some-odd percent of all the tournaments that he entered. Well, that was unprecedented. That had never happened. Correct. Gary and Misty were in the high 70s, percentage-wise. Right, but Karch and Ken had covered that territory before. I would like to see their percentage. Because I'm not... Well, I, if, you, if you take it, you know, a couple season streak or something, two or three years streak... I think it's probably pretty close. And I, I, I will be looking into that. That's an interesting stat to look up, and maybe Jay Hasek can do that. Because that's still pretty gnarly, by the way. Oh, there's no doubt. Again, we're in the how, how gnarly is it area. Super gnarly. <laughs> like we super gnarly. We've agreed yeah. it's gnarly. It's super gnarly. <laughs> Which is gnarlier? Yeah. Super gnarly or mega gnarly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And it, we'll have to see. I don't know. Congratulations, Carrie Walsh. Winningest woman of all time, and who knows what the future holds. Hopefully, more victories. We have then a, the discussion becomes: Who is the greatest woman beach volleyball player of all time? Is it done just on wins? Well, the discussion by position. The discussion is between Carrie and Misty, don't you think? I mean, who else is there? I can think of a lot of names. Well, for sure, you can, of course, but. No, I mean, three Olympic victories, although Olympic victories are not available to other players. Undefeated in Olympic play, only lost one set, I believe. That's amazing. Their win streak. I mean, that's why why you want to put them as the greatest team of all time. Oh, they are, yeah. And I, I don't disagree with that. The dominance that they've had is... That dominance that they've had over the sustained period of time is unprecedented. Well, then you have to add their awards in there, too, for defense, best offense, best, you know. All eh, I don't care about any of that crap. But I'm just saying. That's it's all it. voted on by the players or whomever or some guy with the AVP. But don't you respect it more if the players are voting on it? I do. I think the wins matter a lot more. Well, I agree in the awards. Excellence. Correct. Yeah, I, I give them a lot of credit for that, and especially the, the Olympics. It's one thing to come in and win the Olympics one time. Great achievement. It's another thing to come back when everyone expects you to do it, and even then, more pressure. And then the third time, after kids, and after a major injury to Misty, by the way, they just proved that it was that, that it was their tournament. I mean, they proved that they're comfortable in that environment. I think other teams are scared of them in that environment. I think I think if they went back and played, Misty hasn't played in three years. They went back and played again this next year. They would again be a threat. Well, they'd <laughs> like, be a threat for sure. But I think, especially in the third Olympics, because at the second one where they won gold, they, that was when they were just smashing people 103 in a row. Like every, you were scared of them. I think because of the injury, dominant going into and by as dominant, I mean as dominant as they were prior to that, they were still really good. Right. Going into the third Olympics, especially when 
Brazil beat them in some tournament and celebrated like they had won the gold medal earlier, in that, yeah, earlier in that year. Like, I think some of that fear was gone. And again, like, they didn't look as sharp to start that tournament either. Um, so I think you take some of that away in the last Olympics of the, we're just, everybody's scared of us, we're just going to walk right through this because we beat you already before even stepping on the court. So the debate is which is more amazing, second or third? Ah, interesting debate. That's a good conversation, too. Second, I was pretty impressed by because it it's tough to do it when you're expected to do it. It's tougher, for sure. No doubt. We have them both? Nope. All right. Do you want music for him, or do you want to wait to wait? No, put, put the music on. He deserves, Deb he deserves it. Deb, we're doing this each Monday. <laughs> She'll be fine. She went two and two this week. Maybe that's why she's all bummed out. This <laughs> is her first uh, 500 week. I don't know. Things are going crazy in the Badger region or what? Each week here on The Net Live, we bring you the College Volleyball Weekly, a recap of what was and a look forward to what will be. The ABCA is the proud sponsor of College Volleyball Weekly, as well as delivering a variety of other services to coaches and to the world of college volleyball. We have the ABCA poll. Just out, three teams receiving first place votes. We bring in our correspondent, Brandon Rosenthal, and we call in if she's listening. She went two and two, Brandon, and, and jumped out the window. I don't know what happened here. You went two and two, and it's time for you to call in and gloat because you're not sub 500. That's right. I mean, I mean, come on. I'm just. Deb, I figure she's going to beat me every week, anyways. So Deb, I'm, I'm just happy with the tie. Deb is 12 and four overall. You are seven and nine. I mean, she's headed for the playoffs. She can put it into reverse. Beep 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 beep, and just take it into the playoffs. You need some victories to qualify for a wild card here, man. Seven and nine is not going to get it done unless you play in the NFC East. I am I am preparing for just an absolute torrid finish here. Uh, just I'm going to tear it up. I know it. I can feel it. And this is all I needed was just a tie. I'm like a soccer player right now. I'm happy with a tie. <laughs> Let's take you to a team first that was happy to get a victory. One of our friends, Cincinnati. Got a victory over the weekend. Congratulations. What are they, Bearcats? Congratulations, they are the Bearcats. Bearcats. What, is, what the hell is a Bearcat, first of all? Secondly, they had lost 21 straight and finally got a win. Congratulations, Molly Alvey and Cincy. What was going on there, Brandon? You know, uh, I mean, it's a tough situation, but I think, uh, you know, Molly's got some, you know, pretty raw athletes that uh, she's doing some nice stuff with, and I think it's just going to take some time. Obviously, uh, I don't think anybody envisioned them going, you know, 0-21, but, uh, you know, I I think Molly's a great young coach and somebody that I think is going to straighten this out, and uh, happy to see that she got the W uh, this weekend, and, and, you know, my kind of Words to her is, you know, take a deep breath and, you know, get back at it. And, uh, you know, we've talked numerous times throughout the season. Uh, and I know it's a hard spot to be in, but uh, as coaches, we, we've got to take the kind of the good with bad. And, uh, you know, this is a tough one, but uh, they'll, they'll, they'll uh, persevere. Early in your career, you were building a team and you had a team that had not won a lot of games and you were working on changing around the momentum of a season many times with some losing streaks before you rose to A-Sun dominance and went so far as to boot out Deanne and on. 
But ASU has lost seven straight. And this is a member of the coaching Illuminati, Jason Watson. He is in danger of having his mask ripped off and being kicked out of the party. What do you do if you're Jason Watson at ASU? You lost seven straight. You've been in some tight matches. How do you go about spinning around the mental side of things as a coach of the team? It's tough, you know, and I think it's one of those things where you got to, you know, you really kind of have to <clears throat> check your mindset at the door. You know, I think even how you enter practice or how you talk and, and things like that is a big thing. I think you've got to continue to show confidence. Uh, obviously, they had a great, you know, kind of middle of the season and uh, early part of the conference season. I think they just kind of have to get back to that. And, uh, you know, a lot of times less is more. And, uh, you know, understanding that, hey, listen, you know, the way I always approached it was, hey, we're going to have to get after it. And that means in practice. So, you know, we turned the competition up and we wanted practice to be, you know, as hard as possible. Not necessarily as long as possible, but as hard as possible. Uh, so we we went back to just competing and getting that mindset of, look, hey, you know, nobody's going to give this to us. We're going to have to go out and earn it. And, uh, you know, we found that over time that was a huge kind of impact. And we went out and, you know, tried to schedule tough teams and, and that mindset of let's not just put wins on our, you know, on our schedule. Let's go out and earn this. And uh, it, it really turned around our program. We talked about the top 10, our top 25 earlier on this program where we thought teams might go. One through remain completely the same. Texas, Penn State, Washington, Southern Cal, Florida, and Stanford all took care of business. There's Mizzou. Mizzou rises to number seven, the lone undefeated team, 25-0. and 0. Can come up from number 11. You have San Diego, Colorado State. Actually, I'm sorry, not the lone undefeated. I forgot to include Colorado State, who is also undefeated. And they are... Up there, 19-0, and 0, and they are now at number 9, up from number 12. So congratulations, Colorado State, the Rams. One of my cousins, former Cam the Ram over there. Minnesota at 10, Nebraska, North Carolina, Hawaii, Michigan State, Wisconsin. What the heck is wrong with Hawaii? They were rolling, and now they keep losing matches to people in conference. Yeah, so they're in uh, uncharted territory. and I mean, I think when you look at it, too, uh, tight matches. You know, uh, the match against uh, Northridge was almost kind of a, a deuce match all the way through, and, uh, you know, that's that's hard. And then they were down 0-2 to Davis, come back and win 3-4, and four, and then lose, you know, both those matches on the road. So, you know, a little bit of uh, getting out of – their surroundings uh, is going to change some things. But, uh, yeah, the, the chat boards have been kind of quiet with the Hawaii supporters as far as just, you know, no respect type of talk that they uh, typically throw out there, uh, you know, this time of year. All right, I'm also looking down here at Michigan State and poor Michigan State. Boy, they lose to Indiana, first conference win for Indiana. Michigan State is on a four-match lose streak. They are down at 14. They have fallen precipitously in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's something I hate to bring up, but the uh, the net live curse is is alive and well. Really, uh, I'm, I'm shocked to see Missouri unscathed still after coming on the show and talking with you. Um, Wayne Treklow, he's a magician. I, I, I'm predicting that uh, soon coaches are just going to see your number and just say, no, thank you. Well, don't tell Beth Lanier that. We just had her on. Her team's on a good win streak. <laughs> they swept the Arizonas. And Arizona, actually now outside of the top 25, they have dropped completely out. 
And Utah has jumped in, not top 25, but they got votes. Utah had no votes before. Colorado got some votes. They got 10 votes. Utah had 20 votes. So they at least are appearing in the others list. They're going to have to come up with a couple of signature wins if they want to move into the top 25. Welcome Cal State Northridge to that list you heard them talked about earlier. Up from 31st to 24th, CSUN. It's not the first time in a long time we've seen them inside the women's top 25. That is a big deal. Yeah, you know, I think it is, and, and Stork has done a fantastic job over the years of, uh, you know, continuing to build. You know, I think that's one of those things where he he understood it was going to take some time, and, um, you know, I think a lot of times when you don't see that success earlier as early as you want it to be, uh, people start hitting the panic button. But uh, Jeff Stork is one of the coolest cats around, uh, always has been great to me, and uh, you know I just uh, glad to see you know those programs like that kind of break into the top 25, and and uh, you know it's it's fun. You know I think what we're seeing right now is within these power conferences some of the uh, parity. You know uh, I think what Penn State has done recently is uh, I know you guys talked about it earlier, but I think it's unbelievable when you're put, you know posting low scores like they are um you know that's a scary team you know that's a team that's preparing for the tournament they're not necessarily uh as concerned with okay how you know winning everything obviously they want to win everything but it's the idea that we've got to build towards the end and uh that's that's really scary to see that and and what you're also seeing is you know within the Pac-12 and the Big 10 some of these 3 4 teams Three, four, five, six teams, you know, not necessarily taking care of business against teams that they probably should. Uh, you know, that's gonna that's gonna hurt later on. A lot of people talk about the gold medal squared Illuminati, the secret society of coaches, heralded and helmed by Marv Dunphy, Carl McGowan. But when you talk about their top lieutenants, Hugh McCutcheon actually may have taken over the entire organization recently. But one of the top lieutenants inside the organization has to be Rob Browning and Sean Olmstead also on that list. They faced off, and it was St. Mary's over you. I believe that one was in five. Uh, what's going on here? Is, is anyone in danger of getting kicked out of Gold Medal Squared, and is Jason Watson on his way? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just see the movie Skulls when you talk about the secret society. Uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, St. Mary's is, is, you know, we've said it all along. They're a program you just don't want to see late in the year. I mean, they're they're giant killers, and uh, you know, they've they've done a fantastic job. Uh, you know, uh, again, at St. Mary's, BYU uh, losing 15-11 uh, in the fifth. That's a, that's a, a tough place to play. Like I said, you get a hundred people in there, and it's going to be loud. It's warm in there. Uh, the confines are, are, are definitely confining. Uh, you know, that's, it's a much different setting than BYU is used to. So it's um, that's a, that's a tough trip. And, and to go, you know, San Diego to St. Mary's, first of all, the trip is tough for them, obviously flight-wise, uh, but to play two quality opponents. I don't think uh, BYU is in uh, any danger here, but I, I think, you know, again, this is a, a notch on Rob Browning's belt as far as how good he is and, and they are. 
The confines are confining. That's like being an association with an association. Very good. Brandon, right. you're going to have to give us your pick and we'll have Deb pick up the slack later when things calm down up there in the Badger region when she's done putting the Badgers back in their cage. So give me a game here, Brandon. Watch. And you're going to pick. Uh, <clears throat> Utah-Washington. Utah-Washington. I'm going to go Washington. All right. I think Utah-Washington. Uh, I think Washington is uh, playing well right now. They beat Stanford, uh, you know, a week ago. Then beat USC and UCLA. I think Washington is is uh, legit for real. All right, give me one more. Uh, I'm gonna go. You know, hold on one second here. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with. Because uh, one of your big SEC. picks last week was Duke. You picked Duke, and that that worked out for you. You gave us a match. It was. Uh, Duke against Florida State, and Duke came out on top. I I told you because Coach K was coaching. That's how I'm picking. I'm just making up reasons to pick teams, whether it's colors, mascots, or famous uh, alumnus. Uh, That's how I'm going to pick them. I'm not sure what to do with the Utes. What is a Ute? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a mountain, but that's just me. The Huskies, they're not terribly frightening. There better be a lot of them. I mean, they're like kind of fluffy and friendly. Fluffy. If you need to drag something, they're very good. If you need to like eat something, I'm not sure that's effective. All right, Brandy, give I'm us another Florida, match. Yeah. Florida at Texas A&M. Well, and, first of all, it's uh, eat an Aggie all day long. Yeah, but, I mean, you've got presidents involved now. <laughs> when you're talking about Texas A&M, I mean, you're in George... Bush's backyard, uh, but I'm, I'm going to still stick with uh, I'm going to still stick with the Gators. Yeah, you're going to take the FLA. I watched uh, Lincoln Vampire Hunter for a while on HBO this week when I was enjoying my my eat-in dinner. The youths are um, Native Americans. Oh, so they have to change the mascot. Yeah, okay. From the, from the youth tribe of Native Americans. Yeah, just like the Chiefs, so disrespectful. All right, Brandon, any of the big matches that people should be aware of that you're going to be watching that aren't on the pick'em? Yes, I'm going to go North Carolina at Florida State. I think this is uh, one of those matches that in the ACC, we've kind of gotten off talking about North Carolina, but North Carolina uh, is having a fantastic year, only one loss on the year, and uh, this is going going to be at Florida State coming off a loss to Duke. Um, this is going to be a great match. And I'm going to take whew, I'm going to take I'm going to go with Deion Sanders on this one. Prime time? Prime time. Wait a minute. I thought Deion Sanders played for the U. He played for Florida State? Yeah. What? Florida State. Yeah, I don't oh know. My goodness, I know he played for the Cowboys. He the had the, he had the soul glow going with the with the 1980s kind of mesh half jersey shirt and the towel and the I big sunglasses. Yeah, I love those shirts. Those are good shirts. You still right, wear them, man. don't you? I would if I had one. Someone's got to send one. We'll send All right, Brandon Rosenthal. Thanks, dude. Thanks for checking. Thank in. you guys. All your thanks a lot, Deb. Happen. Thanks a lot, Deb. <laughs> badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Talk to you guys later. All right, later. Brandon Rosenthal checking out College Volleyball Week. This is brought to you by the AVCA. Uh, there are rumors that Deion Sanders would show up to games in a limo, by the way. That's cool. At Florida State. I like it. Yeah, uh, that's not outside of the NCAA rules. No. 
Uh, do you want to talk to a friend that we? Uh, yeah, because he has news. Actually, he, he does. Yeah, he has he has big news. You know him from College Volleyball Weekly in the springtime with <laughs> the men, as well as co-hosting this program at times. And he apparently has a cough or just sneezed. I'm not sure. The weather has turned in Pennsylvania, no doubt. Jay Hasek, welcome. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Wow, are you like on a 1980s car phone? <laughs> No, no, I'm I'm on my cell phone. I'm actually outside my doctor's office. I had a little appointment today, so I'm uh, I'm sitting in my car, and it's nice and breezy and fall weather out here in Happy Valley. Well, I I hope those stones pass. But in the meantime, let's talk about some volleyball. <laughs> I understand there were some meetings relating to the men's final four. Yes, uh, we have been talking about this uh, in roundabout terms for the last few weeks. And uh, they have finally sent out the memorandum uh, to the volleyball coaches, and expansion is here for the 2014 year. And I tell you right now, across the board, everyone is extremely happy uh, and excited about these possibilities. Uh, There were some initial uh, concerns with the play-in game that they were trying to take care of last year. I, I think if you remember... They were saying that uh, the number four conference winner was going to fly or travel to the number three conference winner. Uh, it was going to be on their own dime, and it was going to be, you know, in between the time of the championship weekend and the and the final four week. And it was just a lot of a, a lot of confusion as to how that was logistically going to work. And then they were going to use the previous year's results to be the determining factor of your conference uh, RPI. And yeah, because all this makes is no sense. This is all really sounding like something that should be done. Yes, continue. Exactly. So, so they, they, they've had some meetings. They, they've got some letters written. Some phone calls are made. Uh, and what has happened is they finally started listening to the, to the right people. And the NCAA has uh, conceded a few things and has added a few things. And so... Not only is this good stuff, but there's actual really good stuff coming down the line, I think, in the future. So here's what's going to happen. There are going to be six teams in the 2014 championship year. And the way it will work is you're going to have uh, the conference winners, which are the MPSF, the EIVA, and the MPSF, I mean, uh, and uh, MIVA. And the MIVA. Also the, yeah, the MIVA. And also the, the conference Carolinas. Conference Carolinas were the cog in the wheel that started the whole ball rolling here because, as you know, when they added, they were told by the NCAA that they were going to get an AQ for their conference winner. And when that didn't happen, there were some people that were upset. So now you have four conference winners, and there's going to be two at-large berths. And the way they're going to do it is the NCAA is going to seed everybody according to their current year's results. And the seven criteria that Vinny has posted before is what they're going to use to come up with that seeding criteria. Now, what's going to happen is the top two seeds are going to get a bye in the first round, which would technically be the quarterfinals, and the other teams would play a crossover. So it would be three versus six and four versus five. The winners of those two playing matches will then face the top two seeds in the national semis, which will still take place on Thursday of this year. Of, um, I think it's May 1st is the date they're talking about. So uh, what's going to happen is um, you're creating a scenario in which I think, and this is my own, uh, my own take on this, I think they're looking at it for eight in the future. 
I think now that you have six teams in there and your top two teams are getting a bye, there's really not that much difference to add two more teams. Now the challenge will become how many conferences or how many teams can start up that will make it a true championship of multiple conferences. If you're the MPSF, I know that you've got 12 or 13 teams. The challenge is going to be now, if you are a, a, bottom, a bottom team in that conference for a number of years, or maybe you're, just, you know, you're not as successful as you want to be, rather than fight the other 11 or 12 teams in your conference for that one or maybe two spots, maybe three, maybe it's time to start thinking about splitting up into two conferences because now each one of those conferences can get an AQ. There's, there's some wheels in motion here. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time for sure, and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how it all pans out this year. Will the MPSF get one at large? I think without question they will. Now the other question is, will they get the, uh, the necessary criteria filled out to get two at-large bids, or does somebody else who travels outside their conference a lot all of a sudden pick up more criteria points because they play teams outside their conference? It'll be exciting to see. Well, I'm, for one, glad to see it expand. I would like to see eight, but I think six is a good start. I think eight should be in the offing. That's the number that makes a lot more sense to me without the buys and so on. But sure. it's also good sure. to see that the MPSF, that with, with the two at-large bids, you're going to have a much better representation of the truly good teams each year. And that's the problem you were running into, is that the MIVA and the EVA weren't necessarily performing each year to the same level as even the top half of the MPSF. And I don't mean every year, but there were years when that was happening. And so well, you were you gotta, setting up you gotta, some semifinals gotta, that weren't gotta, that good. You've also got to understand, Kevin, and it's not always about uh, the conference strength top to bottom. You look at the top conference of last year, and that was the MIVA. The teams that were in the MIVA were traveling outside their conference and playing other schools. And when you look at the MPSF, and this is what, this is what the MPSF doesn't understand, and, 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 and I say that with all due respect because we talked last year at the JOs, and even they were confused by this. They didn't understand. When we mentioned to them the criteria for why they were the second team or the second conference in RPI, they looked at us like we were crazy. And we said, no, according to the criteria, you are not the number one seed. And they were really close to being the number three seed. And that's something that they didn't understand. And once it was explained to them, Al Beard wrote a letter. That's when the thing started to uh, – that's when I think the wheels started to get greased a little bit to move forward to this new setup that they have. So, you know, the MIVA, although you look at teams and you say, well, Lewis or Loyola – you know, maybe they're not as good as Long Beach State. Well, you know what? They're a small little private schools, and those guys are the ones that started out to be, you know, no-names, but then end up like Pepperdine, or end up like Cal Baptist. And those are very good programs, historically. So, you know, that, I, you have to start somewhere, and this is where they're starting. No, I think it's all good news for the men's. Jay, thanks for bringing us the news. And uh, tell the Eva and the Miva what I've said before on this show. They don't like me calling them Miva and Eva. Well, don't make it a pronounceable <laughs> set of letters. <laughs> Because it's not easy to say MIPSIF. Well, you, you call them the MPSF. You don't call them the MIPSIF, do you? Well, I can't say MIPSIF. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. <laughs> well, then you should just say EIVA, MIVA, and MPSF. Those are the three different If MPSF were a word, start, they would still be the MIPSIF. Until you start calling the MPSF the MIPSIF, then you have to call everybody else by their conference names. No, if they go back to being the WIVA, I will certainly call them the Weaver. There will be no question they are the Weaver. 
<laughs> I, uh, I can appreciate the humor, that's for sure. All right. Thanks, Jay. Those that don't appreciate that humor need to go back and look in the history books. That's, you'll find the <laughs> Weepa back there in the uh, what, early 90s, I believe, is when uh, the last the Eva or the, the Weeva was playing. Entirely too confusing. Good stuff. All right, Jay. Good stuff. All right, boys. We'll talk You're to welcome. You. Have a good day, boys. See ya. Keep up the home projects. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, while that was on, Sean Manzi let me know that he has a new plan to uh, get with Nicole Davis. Oh, no. <laughs> she gave him the polite brush off, but it has not stopped our, our libero friend, Sean Manzi. He's going to go the sympathy route, and he's wondering if there could be a TNL Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent idea. An excellent idea. Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, tell him to he needs to contract some sort of horrible disease. Well, he, he got into a hockey accident over the weekend and had eight stitches, so he's hoping that, <laughs> that, could, uh, that could help him out. His impending death from the eight stitches. From the received. eight stitches. He could get a staph infection. They better be near, yeah, if he plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he better be near his jugular if, uh, if we're going to somehow weave that into a narrative that will hockey. cause Nicole Davis to go out. Hockey is dangerous. Hockey is dangerous, there's no doubt. Oh, my goodness. You don't want to get cut either near the neck or through the thigh where that other giant vein runs. It's not a good idea. No. Uh, they had that incident what, a couple of years ago. Somebody almost bled out on the ice because they did. They got cut on the leg and Ooh. it severed the main artery in the leg. That'll get you. Oof. All right. Let's bring in our next guest because that's what we're doing. So it's, a, it's what we do here on the show? Yeah, we bring in guests. Later we're going to talk, but then we're just going to end the show. we just got to quit this thing. We've only got one Halloween song in so far today. I yeah, know. It's kind of disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, it's all right. You ready? Yeah, sure. Oh, we doing in, intro yeah. music? Cool. Yeah. That's why I asked if you're ready. All right. Head coach at Moore State. Moorhead State. Jeez, where am I? Jeez. Head coach at Moorhead State. Head of the marketing subcommittee, part of the AVCA head coach committee. He's calling us out of the Midwest right now. Talked to us last week if you were here on the show. We learned a little bit about the AVCA watch list, which is the top 30 possible hosts for the first and second round of play. Undoubtedly, Penn State is one, so you know they're on the watch list. They're about to get St. Mary of the Sea and Northern New Englander <laughs> in the first and second rounds. Let's bring in to detail some of the teams that are on this list right now. It's just coming out. Welcome, Jamie Gordon. Jamie, thanks for coming back. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate it. First of all, how would you do this past week? How would Moorhead State? Um, well, fortunately, Brandon Rosenthal didn't pick us, so we did get a couple wins. Uh. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice. Sweet. So uh, as, as long as you can keep us off the pick list, I think we we might we might have a shot. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, we're talking about this this AVCA watch list here, and I understand you have about half the teams already put together. Yeah, yeah. We decided uh, the full list will be released tomorrow afternoon uh, by the AVCA. Um, but we, what we kind of wanted to do is do a little something special for you guys, and uh, kind of in the spirit of the BCS uh, list, we uh, we we kind of calculated and and gave some point totals to the uh, top 25 list, the RPI, and the Pablo rankings, and kind of came up with our top 16. And we didn't go ahead and put them in an order, but we kind of said, hey, if we were to use this BCS-type formula, uh, here are 16 uh, potential um, first and second round hosts uh, if it were today. Okay, so that list includes Colorado State. Now, mind you, this is alphabetical order. Don't get people all excited. Exactly. Duke, Florida, 
Hawaii, Michigan State, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, North Carolina, Penn State, San Diego, Stanford, Texas, USC, Washington, and Wisconsin. Now, Jamie, clarify for me some of the travel restrictions that are on that first and second round, which is partly the reason that Penn State ends up with the matchups they end up with typically in rounds one and two. And is there any movement to change some of that to create perhaps a more competitive and a more just first and second round? You know, it would be great, um, but the reality is is that costs a lot of money. Um, and, you know, right now our championship, while it's, it's definitely growing in attendance, uh, we've been able to break records, uh, I think, the last three years. Um, you know, our, our championship still does uh, operate in a deficit. And so, right. um, you know, we've got a, the way that the NCAA looks at it is, and we're fortunate enough, uh, you know, just two years ago was when uh, they decided to give the top 16 seeds uh, the opportunity to host. So that was a huge step. Uh, I think forward and just giving those teams that had had a, a great season uh, that opportunity to play at home. Um, but after those 16 uh, seeds and those hosts are decided, uh, then they just go ahead and they start plugging in geographically um, with the exception is that they will keep um, conference opponents um, away from, from each other in those, in those first two rounds. So you don't have uh, kind of a, a repeat there. So um, that's, that's part of the reason why sometimes you see some of the sim- same teams uh, going to Penn State. Cause if you kind of even just notice on this list, you know, you've got Penn State really is the only, uh, you know, real legitimate host potential um, in that Northeast. So uh, those other qualifying teams, usually Penn State's the closest for them to travel to. Yeah, really, there's a lot of teams packed into kind of the middle of the country. And when it comes down to it, how are those decisions made typically? Are they made by the schools as to who will host? Is it made by an external factor when it comes down to, say, two schools that are both eligible but are very close together? Mm-hmm. That's all uh, dictated by the uh, championship committee. So it's it's just like, uh, you know, you've got with, with basketball and, and all the other sports, there's a committee that, that sits down, they're, they're selecting the at-larges, but they're also deciding, um, you know, who goes where, and they spend a tremendous amount of time. And, you know, I think for the most part, they, they do a, a really good job, I think, in, you know, everybody's going to have their opinions and especially as coaches we all uh, think we we know what's what's absolute best and what would be perfect um but uh, you know i think they do a good job and they try and take all those things into consideration um you know of trying to keep things as as equitable as they can but uh, ultimately they have a job in, in in trying to to keep people from having to fly you know all the way across the country and and so they that's you know unfortunately they have to plug plug those teams in geographically I don't see Moorhead State on here, Jamie. Come on, this is, this is politics. You got to. <laughs> you know, I just think it side. would be inappropriate. I, 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 you know, I think it'd be a, a conflict of interest if uh, we were to put ourselves on on that list. Uh, but no, I, we, we've got a little ways to go. We're just uh, doing what we can to to get into the uh, get into the show and and uh, you know look at some of these as uh, maybe potential places that we'd uh, we'd get sent to. All right, we'll try and keep Brandon Rosenthal off any information about your team and picking you so that you can continue to have a good season. Well, I, I appreciate that, guys. And, uh, you know, yeah, if you if you can keep that going, uh, uh, I know not just myself but our whole team and program and fan base will be uh, tremendously appreciative. <laughs> oh, that's a new T-shirt. There you go. Jamie Gordon, <laughs> thanks very much for the info. We'll look for the second half of that list coming out tomorrow, released by the ABCA. Cool. Thanks, All man. Right. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. All right. We'll see you.
Jamie Gordon checking out from Moorhead State. You know how we keep them off that list? Tell him to have all of their fan base and players tune into our show every week, and we'll make sure that Brandon Rosenthal doesn't pick them. I guess technically he's also defied the team Elkers because he came on last week and his team won. So he's, he's yeah, but he yeah. The other way. But he was giving us information, you know what I'm saying, as opposed to necessarily us interviewing him. Oh, that's say, a good point. You know? That's a good point. It's almost like he's a correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correspondents haven't really been affected by <laughs> by that. Hey, uh, Pac-12 just announced their players of the week. Worth noting that Utah's Aaron Red Brandon was voted defensive. This is the third honor picked up in the player of the week honors inside the Pac-12 for Utah. They've all come during this year. They've never had that honor in previous years. Yeah, that's impressive. Congratulations. So they've done it. Uh, and actually, Aaron Redbrandon has done it for the second time, I believe, if I'm re- remembering my notes correctly. So good job for her. And also congratulations to uh, Leanne Simbleton of Washington. She was the Offensive Player of the Week. And Maddie Kerr, Freshman of the Week out of Cal. So good stuff all around. Germany reaction to, uh, to this week? Because we're, I don't know, about done here. I just noticed that the last two weeks has been all you with uh, indoor stuff going on. I haven't really brought much to the show except yeah. for my glowing personality. Fix it. I'm working on some things. Everybody I know is overseas, so. Yeah. <laughs> they were overseas in a hurry, too, right after that hunting yeah. event. But I, I do, you know, there's some things that you and I talked about off air, so I think next week I'll have some special things for us next week and the following week, I may have some couple guests, so we'll see what happens. All right, we'll work to get some beach into the program. Uh, tell Kate, Katie, told me to learn some more about the indoor game. That's not why I'm on the show, Katie. Well, Katie, while the indoor stuff was going on, Jeremy got up and left. Yeah, he I, went went, I went to the restroom. Went downstairs I, to play with the kittens. I came back, and all I see from Katie on the Facebook, what did it say? Uh, where am I at? Uh, get off it, Kevin. Good grief. I have no idea what you said, but that was her response to you. So you were, I'm going to say you were talking about Penn State again. Not everybody's like Katie <laughs> and knows everything there is to know about the sport. One of the, one of the unique parts of my job, parts of my job actually as a play-by-play guy, yeah. is I have to ask questions of my analyst. And probably questions you already know the answer to. I know the answer, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and when we talk to coaches on this program, the same thing. I know some of those answers. You at home don't know some of those answers. That's the issue. Or if you're KCVB, maybe you do. But maybe some of the other folks who listen to our program might be interested in the answer that Beth Lanier has to a question <laughs> to which the rest of us, the answer is obvious. But to someone else who's coming up in the world and just a fan of this show and looking to learn from veteran coaches, it might be some fairly useful information. I just like that you get heckled on the chat board. That's what it's all about. I'm not sure if I get heckled on the chat board. It's not your role. It's not my role. I mean, if I had a three-quarter sleeve and, and I wore, like, three-quarter sleeves on my little softball shirt with butt, then I would be cool. But that's not me. I've got on my crummy jeans today and my sneakers. and just let's, let's be honest. A faux hawk and tattoos on you, I don't think is what's going to make you cool. How about bulking up, doing pull-ups with uh, if you look 16 like, kilograms? You look like Reed Pretty on the back of uh, Volleyball Magazine. I got Reed Pretty beat. I do that roller thing, too. You know I what that do- sounds like? Challenge. <laughs> TNL challenge. Again, we can't have a challenge because a man doesn't have a car, and I'm not driving to Huntington. It'd be like meet in the middle. I'm not going. I'm not going to his home stadium. All right. You're not going. You're, you're not going to the OC. Site. You're not going to the OC. Long Beach. I can't get past the orange curtain. Right. I would meet in Long Beach, but Reed can't get there. There is no public transportation in Los Angeles. And his uh, golf cart won't. The battery won't last that long. He will make it just north of 15. 15- <laughs> And it'll be all over for him. Oh, yes. Um, somebody wanted some updates on what happened overseas? I thought we talked about that. 
What no, else do you need to talk haven't. about? Kerry Dom. Kerry won. We, well, we haven't talked about indoor updates. I think that's what yeah. B.J. Evans is getting at Brooke Billings in Qatar. It's pretty cool. I saw... Did he actually in, go? I saw him in Huntington. I guess he went. Okay. Uh, Don Sujo continues to play for Trentino. He's been there for quite some time. Good to see Don Sujo still getting it done. And Berlin, Kavika Shoji, and Scott Tuzinski, they were actually defeated by Don Sujo. Uh, Dave Smith, where is he? Is he in, I thought he was going to France. Yep, he and Jason Jablonski are in tours in France. Uh, Zenit Kazan with Matt Anderson. Let's see, did they win? Oh, no, they lost to my former team, Kemacharata. Where is Matt playing? He's playing in Russia, okay. Kazan. And then you have uh, Eric Shoji. And Andy Hine playing in Tyrol, Austria's Innsbruck team, the other good team in Austria. Again, a team I spent a lot of time playing against. I'm not understanding any of the words coming out of your mouth. Uh, that's in Innsbruck, Austria. That's what you would think of as Austria. Like Salzburg and Innsbruck is when you think like of you Austria think of it, and mountains and stuff, think of. that would be Austria. Gotcha. Vienna, it's Cleveland. Nice. So outside hitter Jeff Menzel, he's playing for Noliko Mosaic, another one of my teams. Yep. So that's, uh, that's two of my teams covered in this update. I like that. My, one of my favorite places. But they lost to Belgrade. Ooh, 22-11-18. That's not so good. Menzel, 13 kills on 13... Well, 13 points on 13 kills. Fuck, maybe an ace or something here. Maybe but he doesn't need to. Keep up the good work. Swing keep, away. Keep swinging there at, uh, at Mosaic. That's a fun place. And let's see, FIVB Club Championships. I watched a little bit of that stuff. That was happening in Brazil. I saw part of the finals with the British announcer who knows absolutely nothing about the sport, but Universal Sports doesn't really care. France also has Murphy Troy, not Troy Murphy, and Futi Tavana. They're playing there. And that's about it. That's a good update. I love that, I love that these happen. Thanks to USA Volleyball BJ for putting these together because it is nice to hear about where these guys go. Well, it's also hard, too, like, to keep all that stuff in perspective. And, like, what's the one main source you can go to to get that kind of info? And so I'm glad that uh, yeah. BJ is doing that and USAB. Norish Campbell playing for Germany. Okay. Jane Collymore put out her second album. Yep, we've had her here on the show. That was an adventure. <laughs> Can I gripe about something for a second? When you're done. Well, I just here we have uh, Miyashiro and Hagland. They're in Germany. We have uh, Larson, Jordan Larson and Burbach in Kazan still playing there. We have, uh, let's see, who's in Poland? Rachel Adams is in Poland. Kim Hill is playing in Poland. Poland, a great environment. Kristen Hildebrandt is in Brazil. Kim Glass, also in Brazil. Haven't seen her on the national team as of late, but word is she's having a great career as a volleyball player as well as a model, so good for her. Danielle Scott, back in Brazil, still playing. And, and back to Danielle Scott. So yep. I guess the Yehuda is over. And let's see, Akin Radovo, Bonwarth, and Jackson are in Azerbaijan. That's one of those environments people don't really know about necessarily. Kirsty Jackson, that is. They are all there. And Ariel Wilson, formerly of what Penn State, I believe. Is that right? I think Ariel Wilson. She's in Azerbaijan. And you have Locomotive. Lauren Gibblemeyer is going to be in Azerbaijan. Alicia Glass in Turkey. But she had a good season. I thought Alicia Glass finally... Uh, rounding into international shape. That's kind of cool. Reagan Hood in Turkey. Okay, the list goes on. I mean, you get an idea here of how many players there are overseas, really. A whole bunch of players. Uh, Karen Kemner went into the Volleyball Hall of Fame. That's worth mentioning as well. Congratulations, Congratulations to her. I missed that event. It keeps conflicting with other stuff I do. I did that event for three years 
one of my favorites and hope to get back there someday uh, up in the Northeast. I'd like to be there. So congratulations to Karen Kemner in, in uh, her enshrinement there in Holyoke. Really, uh, really cool stuff, along with uh, quite a few other people. Vladislav Zaitsev of Russia, Natalie Cook of Australia put in. And Zaitsev, you recognize that name. His son does play for Italy now. Yeah. That does happen. All right, so you want to complain before we get off the air here? Um, I just want to point something out. Like, the last ABP blog recap post I did for Volleyball Magazine, you know, I was talking about, you know, what the fans, a little bit of what the fans' responsibility is now to, like, Volleyball, if you want to help out, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then, you know, the players, I, I might need to write a separate blog post to the players because they have a responsibility, too, to be out there in the social media world and spreading the word of volleyball. And not all of the players are very good at that. Hmm. I went to, I started doing some research at that point, so I went to a lot of players' websites, things that they have listed as their websites, and they're not updated. Right. Um, some of them not updated from like 2007. Um, <laughs> That's a bit delinquent. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like the day and age that we live in, you need to be on social media, especially if you are a public person and or if you expect to get sponsors. Let's be honest about oh, it. Oh, you're yelling at me now? Cause I'm... No, no, not yelling at you at all because <laughs> you're, you know, you have somewhat of a steady paycheck. <laughs> These players, it's... <sighs> How do you expect people to follow you and become really big fans of you if they if the only way they can do that is by seeing you at an event, but they don't know anything about you outside of that event? Right. Like you can be on social media without giving everything up about you as a person. You know, like you don't have to post, oh, look what I had for breakfast today. But if you have a website, it needs to be updated. Right. If you're on social media, be on social media. If you're not on social media, and I yelled at Jay Gibb about this, like he's kind of on social media, but he's half-ass about it, like you need to be more out there. People want to see, they want to be involved. They want to see, and that's going to get you more, that's going to open up more doors than people realize, especially when that stuff is free, Kevin. Twitter is free. Instagram is free. Right. So let's say I get one gig because somebody saw a tweet that I posted. Then that's paid. That one gig has paid for all of my time using Twitter. True. True. I've, I've had a gig the last two years because of Facebook. See? It happens. And it's not just having a page or having a Twitter page or having an Instagram page. Like You need to do something with it. And if you need help, call me. I'll give you some advice. Okay, here's the thing. Because, Kevin, let me, let me tell you something. I have the DJ Rouché page, Facebook. Let's just talk about Twitter. The DJ Rouché Twitter account, the Suicide Doors account, Ball Entertainment, and the NetLive. I don't do just the NetLive. Like every, obviously, everybody else has access to it, too. That's part of the show. But that social media model. That is four different just Twitter accounts. Yes. Facebook's the same thing. Instagram, I have a few different ones. The good thing about all that is usually when you post to one, you can post to all of them. I have Twitter and Facebook yeah. do that. Yeah. So that kind of knocks if you're worried about your timing, blah, blah, blah. It takes up too much time. It takes up as much time as you want it to take up. I got something for you. Yeah. So when I work for NBC, for instance, for yep. the Olympic Games, yep. they encourage you to tweet. Yeah, because it's free advertising. Then they give you a three-page document no. which details 
And a lot of that is talking about social media. <laughs> no, talking specifically about Twitter, what not to do on social media. Yeah. I look at it this way. I'm a part of the Olympics, which is a huge brand. I'm mm-hmm. a part of NBC, which is a huge brand. Mm-hmm. I am not a brand yet. Well, if you were on social media more, maybe you would be. Well, but <laughs> see, I think that's a fallacy. It depends on how you market yourself. I'm, I'm not putting out a sex tape, so I'm not going to be... Is DJ Ruche a brand? Have you found my sex tape yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, exactly. Let me look. Hang on. Yeah. Google. No, but my, my point is this, that, that I look at it as something that is not really going to add to the Olympics or add to NBC. Hear me out for a second. I, I don't is the answer. I look at it that way, but... The other half of it is, these are such big brands, I can make just a little blip. The other half of it is, I could make a big blip for me. I could derail my career by tweeting the wrong thing. For sure. Something that somebody inside a control room somewhere takes the wrong way. Yep. So what's the point of putting out a series of banal tweets that really are not about much? When if I really had something to say, somehow it could come back on me. What am I gaining? What is, what is out there for me to gain? Versus the risk. Um, well, obviously, like anything you say, whether it's privately or publicly in social media, or if you would say it in a meeting, what you're saying. But I would say things in meetings that don't belong in the public. So then you don't make it public. <laughs> That's the difference. Be smart about it. People who say stupid things online, it's because it's a quick, like something happens, like, oh, that jerk cut me off in traffic. Let me tweet about it real quick. I have a rule of thumb. I don't tweet. I don't tweet angry. I could tweet about the folks in the airport because oh, for sure they are operating in my office. I'm in the airport four or five times a week. That's my office. I almost sent out a picture of like LAX and the layout and just said, "Well, I'm back home," and that's fine. <laughs> but these folks have got to get out of the way. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, there's the silly little. Small stuff. But then there's stuff that can just get taken the wrong way. For sure. Like yesterday, I thought about it. The walk is much more obvious on the Sunday morning after a Saturday Halloween party. I found that highly entertaining. I do, too. I think it's funny. But if you said, now watch me on the NBC Olympic broadcast, maybe you wouldn't have tweeted that. Somebody's going to take it the wrong way. Oh, you're saying this about women. This, but No, I'm saying that you you're say going any, home you and didn't you're say anything about Saturday night. You didn't even say women on your tweet. No. You just said the walk, period. Male or female, if you were headed yeah. home in a costume on Sunday morning, it all worked out. Hopefully. <laughs> as long as you don't have a black eye, you probably did all right. But that's, that's that kind of stuff I wonder about with social media. Because really, look, if I get on Twitter and try to, quote, build a brand, I may as well go out and play Powerball. It's about the same. It depends on what you're trying to build. I want to build the Barnett Ra- Radio Internet Broadcasting Empire. Okay, so if you do, if you talk about that on social media and some random person happens to see that and they call you up, how you would not have any contact with that random person if you and I are just talking about it off air. That's true. I don't disagree. It's the world we live in now. And it's worked out. Facebook got me the Supercross job. Well, it's the world we live Straight in now. Up. If you are in the public eye and you want to be in the public eye, you need to be on social media. And again, back to my point, if you're trying to build or help build the sport back up in the sport of beach volleyball, you need to be a voice for it and don't just think like, oh, I show up and I play tournaments and I win, everything's going to work out great. For you, sure, money-wise, absolutely. 
if you win tournaments. If, you got to win the tournaments. Yep. That's a good point. People ought to do it. I'll be, tweet, or if you, I'll be live tweeting all day. Or if you have a website and you're not going to update it, take it down. Yeah, see, that, that one... That annoys me more than any... I can't even tell you how much that annoys me. That one's big. You've got to update your website. Like, tweeting is one thing, but up, keeping your website semi-current... Yeah. That's important. Six months, four months, whatever. A mm-hmm. couple months, you know. But mm-hmm. don't go years and years if it's something you're actively still using. Correct. Not a good idea. Get the latest issue of Volleyball Magazine. It has Casey Patterson on the cover with Boom in his hair. It's almost jumping off the page at you. It also has DJ Ruchet's. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Kevin. DJ Ruchet's, uh motivational music? What is it? This page is that on. I don't know. I saw it when I scrolled. I think, it, yeah, this was more like the health and fitness issues, so I put some uh, some songs on there. Your workout. Or songs that helped me get through my workout, too. Yeah. There they are. Musical Motivation. Musical motivation. All right. Let me let, let me see it before. You're not going to know any of these. Well, that's what I'm. Imagine wondering. dragons. You know, imagine. Dragons. I see. There's one. One out of. I gave you imagine dragons before they were big. No. Dang it. Somebody else you did, but not imagine dragons. Maybe it was imagine dragons. I told you about. It. Let me see. Maybe it was. Who else is on here? Who do I know? Let's see. Nobody. Macklemore. I know Macklemore. Kanye West. I've heard of him. Obviously. Jay Z. Who's that? <laughs> Avicii, I know who Avicii is. The Black Keys, yes, I know the Black Keys. First of all, you don't know who Avicii is. Let's just be honest. I know you one thought guy. it was a group, and it's one dude. Okay, so he's like the guy from... He's from Sweden. Like Swedish House Mafia? Yes. Eminem, I've heard of that guy. Mm-hmm. Skrillex, I just heard that name mentioned. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Watch the Duck. Is that Duck Dynasty? No. Okay, what's with the Fox lately, Jeremy? Yeah. Oh, my God. My kids are singing it. I come out of the Utah match on Thursday. There's two little girls going back to their car with their mom. They're singing it. <laughs> what does the fox say? I'm not playing that song ever. Ring, ding, 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 or whatever. I'm not playing that song. I'm not ever. It's a goofy, goofy song. I'm not song. playing it. They're Europeans for yep. sure. I'm not playing that song. Just Blaze and Bauer. That doesn't even make sense. It sounds like something you're being told to do. Lindsey Sterling's got the Lisa Loeb look going. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so volleyball mag, check it out. Firebeats Gangsta. Reminds me of Firestarter. <laughs> All right, well, play us some Halloween music. Let's get the hell yeah, out of here. Enjoy your, enjoy your Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. Get out there with your kids. Trick or treat. Wear a costume. Hope you went to a party this past week instead of working in Salt Lake like I did. And have some fun. We appreciate you being here. Thanks to Beth Lanier. Thanks to Brandon Rosenthal. BJ's been waiting for the song the whole show. Has she? That's your fault. Well, I've, sorry, BJ. Thanks to Jamie Gordon and everyone else who contributed to this. Thanks to ABCA as well as Volleyball Mag. We will see you with another show very soon here on Volleyball Magazine's website. For Jeremy, I'm Kevin saying goodbye for the Net Live for another week. Just a jump to the left. With your hands on your Free me, so you can't see me. 
to take in all the action. It is definitely all. The best way to see it is to experience it live at the 2013 NCAA Division I Women's Volleyball Championship, December 19th and 21st at Key Arena in Seattle. Hosted by the University of Washington and the Seattle Sports Commission. Affordable ticket prices now available. Go online at NCAA.com volleyball and reserve your seats today. 